Bible. My favorite scripture in all the Bible, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. This is what it says. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. That has nothing to do with my message today, but that is my favorite scripture. My name is Noah. So we're going to go a couple verses uh, past that and look at Noah's story starting in verse 18. This is what it says. I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons, your wife, and your son's wives will come on board with you. You are also to take two of each of every living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also, get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and for them. Verse 22, my favorite part of this whole, uh, this whole passage. Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. What a legacy it would be to get to the end of your life and people be able to say they did everything God commanded them to do. They did everything God commanded them to do. They were faithful until the very end. Today, I want to talk about faithfulness. And the title of my message is really simple. It's Build the Boat. Will you say that with me one time? Ready? One, two, three. Build the Boat. Amazing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us right now through your word. We came for an encounter with you. We love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said, amen. amen. Um, not too long ago, I was in the car with, uh, with a friend of mine, and he asked me the question. He said, Noah, what is the scariest place you've ever been? Like, like, what is the place that if someone said you had to go there, you would be more afraid of than, than any other place? And um, I kind of started thinking about that because the answer to that question has changed uh, several times throughout my life. When I was a little kid, maybe some of you might remember, I, I told you I had a fear of heights. I had a fear of roller coasters. So if you had asked me when I was eight or nine years old what the scariest place on earth for me, I, I would have said it was a roller coaster. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, if you had asked me what's the scariest place on earth, I would have said the girls' locker room because I was afraid of girls. Um, if you'd asked me in college what the scariest place on earth was, I would have said my inbox in my email at the end of a semester because that's when the tuition bill came in. Okay, so there, there have been scary places all throughout my life, but right now, as a 26-year-old, full-grown man, there is no scarier place to me than Home Depot. Home Depot absolutely terrifies me. Now, I know there are probably many of you in this room, you're like, that's kind of a weird place to be afraid of. I don't understand. And I'm guessing that for you, you grew up in a house where if something was broke, your dad fixed it. Um, maybe the toolbox came out and you just, you just fixed it real quick and everything was good and your parents taught you how to use tools. In my house, when something broke, we prayed that the neighbor knew how to fix it. 
<laughs> my dad's a pastor. And so if the AC went out, we didn't call the AC man because we were a little broke, you know, like we would walk by the pond and ducks would throw bread at us because my parents were in full-time ministry. So we didn't call the AC guy. We, we didn't go grab our tools and take it to the AC unit. We went and laid hands on the AC unit and prayed it would come back to life. Come on, somebody. Like this is, this is the house that I grew up in. And so um, a couple months ago, my wife and I, we moved into a new house and we're super excited about it. And we get all of our stuff moved in on a Saturday afternoon and we start looking around and to our surprise, every window in the house was without blinds. This was like the ultimate batteries not included situation. And my wife, she says, hey, Noah, we need to go get blinds because our neighbors can see through the windows. Can you go to Home Depot? And a shudder went down my spine, okay? I immediately turned on worship music. I was like, I just need the Lord right now in this moment. And so I walk into Home Depot, and about 37 minutes later, I found the blind aisle, and uh, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing because I've never put blinds up in my entire life. And this nice man walks up to me with one of those orange aprons. You know what I'm talking about, big orange Home Depot aprons. And he's got this nice smile on his face and he says, hey, can I help you with anything? Do you need help? And I've never needed more help in my entire life. So naturally I said, no, I'm great. Because, guys, we know we're not allowed to ask for help in Home Depot. This is not something we can do. But I think that either my voice must have cracked or he must have, he, he could tell by the way I was dressed that I did not know what I was doing in this Home Depot. And so he, this is what he said, true story. He looked at me and he said, hey, man, don't worry. You've got this. I said, okay. He said, yeah, yeah, trust me. We have grandmothers who come in here all the time and put up their own blinds. You can do this. <laughs> when I say that four hours later, in my living room, it looked like a battlefield. Okay, screws were falling from the sky. I was bleeding. My wife is videoing me, laughing at me, right? I'm like, girl, I do not build blinds. I build sermons, you know? Like, it was just this, this crazy moment. But if you came into my house right now, if you came into my house, there are blinds on every single window. Come on, God is good. God is faithful. <laughs> what does this have to do with the story of Noah? I'm glad that you asked. If you were to look at the life of Noah from a bird's eye view, you would think what? You would think, man, Noah built the boat. He remembered all of the animals. Thank God he brought the dogs. So now we have pets right? And he said yes to what God called him to do. He, he made it through the flood, and, and now we're all here, and we're thankful for the faithfulness of Noah. It's this cute story where we just picture the end result, right? It's this cute story that we talk about in local kids or maybe in local youth, but as adults, we just kind of gloss over the story of Noah because it seems like an easy story. But when we really look at the story of Noah, we see one of the hardest stories in the Bible. We see a story where Noah could have quit, where Noah probably should have quit. Most biblical scholars believe that Noah built this ark for somewhere around 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything faithfully for 120 years? 
That is a long time. Right? I'm really good at doing things well at the beginning. Right? Like every New Year's, I'm like, this is going to be my year. I'm going to get ripped. By the time we go on summer vacation, my wife, she's not even going to be able to recognize my abs because I'm going to be shredded. I'm going to, you know, those, that first week of January, I'm at the gym. I'm like, I'm going to look like Zac Efron. I'm telling you what, I am, I am going to get my head in the game. I'm going to be in there doing biceps. Some of y'all just missed that. That was a high school musical reference. Some of you, you were with me. Right, that first week, I'm in there. But what happens like week three, week four, week five, all of a sudden the alarm goes off to go to the gym and, and I just hit snooze, right? I just say, ah, I don't really want to do that anymore. All of a sudden I trade in my kale salad for some Chick-fil-A nuggets, right? Like it's just, it's hard to be faithful over long periods of time. But to Noah, he was faithful because faithfulness was his ultimate goal. Being faithful was what he wanted to do. It wasn't about how he started, it was about how he finished. And this is what we have to know as followers of Jesus. The world is often impressed by how we start, but God is impressed by how we finish. The world is, also, is oftentimes asking, what have you started recently? What are you doing recently? But when we get to heaven, God is gonna be way more interested in what we were able to finish. Because faithfulness is what he's called us to. Not too long ago, I read a, uh, an article in the New York Times, and um, I'm not much of a newspaper reader, but this article really caught my eye because it was an article written about Generation Z and, and millennials, and I'm kind of like right there on the edge of Generation Z and millennials, and so I started reading through it, and basically what it was talking about was how Generation Z and millennials, on average, between ages 21 and 30, will hold 13 different full-time jobs, nine years 13 different jobs. That is the average amount of jobs that our generation will have. And it, and it wasn't an article that was like bashing Generation Z or, or millennials. It was an article saying that unlike any generation in history, we are a generation that is all about seeking the next best opportunity. That if there's another opportunity that maybe pays us more money, we'll, we'll go to that right away. If there's an opportunity that maybe uh, seems more successful, we'll, we'll go to that right away. We're just looking for the next opportunity. And that's fine and dandy when maybe you're talking about a job or, or a career or whatever. But as followers of Jesus, we aren't called to the next best opportunity. We're called to an assignment. And there's a big difference between a God-given assignment and a man-made opportunity. Opportunities might elevate your name, but an assignment will elevate God's name. Opportunities might give you glory, but an assignment will give God glory. Opportunities might be full of hype and, and might get the attention of other people, but your assignment will be full of purpose and it will be something that will get the attention of God. There's, there's this big difference between an opportunity and an assignment. For Noah, his assignment was, I'm going to build this boat. I'm going to keep building this boat. I'm going to keep showing up because this is what God's called me to do. He knew that faithfulness would get the attention of God and that we don't have to be impressive as followers of Jesus. We're just called to be faithful. 
Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. When I was about five years old, um, my parents, they signed me up for t-ball, and uh, I played right field. I don't know if you've been to a t-ball game for five-year-olds lately, but not many balls get hit to right field, so you can do with that information what you will. I was pretty bad, um, is what I'm trying to say. I'm in right field, and I think we had six games for the season, and um, all season long, not a single ball was hit into right field. And I would complain about this regularly to my parents after the game. I'd be like, I don't even know why I'm in the field. I don't even understand why you signed me up for this dumb game. I wish I could have played soccer where at least the ball would come to me sometimes, right? And so I'm complaining to my parents and all this stuff. But, but every Saturday when we had a game, it didn't really matter that much to me um, when, when the game was like immediately over because they gave away free snow cones at the baseball field. And so um, my coach, he would try to keep me engaged, right? Like I'd be out in right field, like looking at the butterflies and my, my hat was like sideways. I was totally that kid. And he'd be like, hey, Noah, you got to pay attention. How many outs are there? And I'd be like, grape. I want the grape one, coach. I want the grape snow cone. You know, I was just, I only cared about the snow cone. And so we get to the last game of the season and um, I think we were in like the third or fourth inning. Uh, my mom was reminding me of this story a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and she said that there was this uh, like kind of heftier five-year-old who got up to bat. And he hit this ground ball that rolled right past the first baseman into right field. And, and the crowd was going wild, right? Like everyone looks into right field. The crowd was my mom. <laughs> like my mom was going wild. And they look into right field and the ball rolls into right field, but there was no right fielder. Because the right fielder had left the game in the third inning to go get his snow cone. Your boy was in the snow cone line eating a grape snow cone in the third inning. <laughs> but I started thinking about that story and it really, it resonated with me on a spiritual level because I thought, how many times has God put me in a position? Has God called me to an assignment? Has God asked me to do something? And I go there and I'm excited, but then the thing that I thought was going to happen doesn't happen. Or maybe it doesn't happen in my timing. Or, or maybe it doesn't happen exactly the way that I thought. And instead of staying expectant, instead of staying faithful, instead of picking up the hammer and building the boat, I go, you know what? God must not be in this. And I bounce and I leave and I give up right in the moment that God delivers the thing that he asked me to do. Right? What, a, what a tragedy it would be for us to give up on what God has called us to do. What a tragedy it would have been for Noah to stop building the boat on year 119. What a tragedy it would be for you to give up building the boat of your marriage. What a tragedy it would be for you to give up building the calling that God has on your life. What a tragedy it would be for you to just stop the moment it got hard when Galatians 6.19 says that if we will just keep showing up, we will see a harvest if we don't give up. What a tragedy it would be for us to make something else our goal and not being faithful to what God called us to do. What are the reasons? Why is it so easy for us to leave positions? Why is it so easy for us to lose track of 
being faithful? I think there are a lot of answers to that question, but I think one of the predominant ones is comparison, right? We, we compare what we're doing to what other people are doing, but that's not faithfulness. Success in God's eyes is not comparing what we're doing to our neighbor. It's comparing what we're doing to what God has asked us to do. It's, it's saying, God, I'm going to be obedient this day. I'm, I'm going to be obedient with the last thing that you told me to do, and I'm not going to move until you tell me to move. I'm not going to stop until you tell me to stop. I'm not going to quit praying until something happens because I believe your word, and it says that something is going to happen if I will keep being faithful. When I look at the story of Noah, um, I, I love to uh, put myself I'm kind of dramatic, if you can't tell. I watch too much Netflix. And so when I read the Bible, I, I, I'm like, man, the story of Noah would be a great Netflix show. It really would. Like, think about this. Think about the day that Noah came home and told his wife that he was going to build this boat. Okay? Just picture this with me. Humor me for a second. This isn't all in here, but a little creative imagination here. Um, hey, babe, I'm going to quit my job on Monday. Oh, why are you going to do that? I'm going to build a boat. Yep, God told me to build it. Okay. Um, is it going to be like a fishing boat? Are you going to like fish on the boat and make money with the fish? That's how we're going to pay for the bills? Nope. Think more carnival cruise ship. It's going to be a big boat. We're going to put animals on it. It's going to be great. Okay. Imagine that conversation went over well. Right? Like imagine that Noah's wife was totally cool with that. What about year 10? What about year 20? Can you imagine the dinner conversations that are taking place? Like this is, this is a wild story. I can't remember Noah's wife's name, so I'm just going to call her Sheila for the sake of this conversation. Is this okay? We're family. Sheila walks in the door, right? It's dinner time. She's like, hey, Noah, um, you've been building this boat for 20 years. It hasn't rained. There's no sign of flooding. Everyone thinks we're crazy. You remember the dinner parties that we used to get invited to with the neighbors, with the tea and the crumpets? Right now they're British. I don't know what's happening, but it's happening right now. Remember we used to get invited? Yeah, we don't get invited anymore. Because everybody thinks we're crazy. And what was Noah doing? I, I just got to keep building the boat. For about year 30, year 40, year 50, not a single sign that God was going to show up and do what he said he was going to do. Not a single sign. I think another thing to remember when we're talking about the story of Noah is he had nobody celebrating his success. There were no newspaper articles celebrating his faithfulness. There were no like groups of friends showing up being like, keep going. Right? Like we're at least lucky. We've got a church family. Many of us have friends and family members who are rooting us on and what God has called us to do. Noah, he at best had his wife and his kids at best. Everyone else thought he was absolutely crazy. But where was Noah? I just gotta keep building 
the boat. You're 100. You're 110. I picture the people in Noah's town. You know, Noah, you crazy old man. You've been building this boat for 119 years. Your kids are grown. Look at all the time that you've wasted. That is one of the biggest tactics that the devil uses in our life. Look at the time that was wasted. Look at the stuff that hasn't happened. Look at all of the effort and energy you expended only for what? For this. Nothing has even happened. And what is Noah doing in response to these thoughts and to these people? He is picking up the hammer and he's going, I just got to keep building the boat. I just got to keep being faithful. Maybe you're here and you're like, is he about to try to sell me a boat? Is this guy a boat salesman? What is he talking about? This boat, these, this boat talk. The boat could be a ton of different things in your life. I was praying on my way over here this morning, God, what are some boats maybe that people might be thinking about giving up on? One of the most obvious ones to me is marriage. Um, my wife and I, we're still like in the honeymoon stage, you know, we've only been married for like two and a half years, so I'm not about to stand up here and teach on marriage. <laughs> um, things are really good. But maybe your marriage is not in that stage. And, um, you know, you, you used to go on date nights, and, and you used to put a lot of intentional effort into your marriage, but you kind of Somewhere along the way, you put down that hammer, and your marriage has been struggling because of it, and maybe the whole reason you came to church today was for a scrawny white kid from 30 minutes down the road came to remind you that today is the day to pick up the hammer and build the boat of your marriage. Maybe for you, the boat God's calling you to build is the boat of local church. Maybe you've been attending, maybe you've been coming, Maybe you've been getting poured into, but today is the day that you go, you know what? I'm not just going to watch other people build that church. I'm going to start being a part of the building. I'm going to show up and start serving. I'm going to join a small group. I'm, I'm going to ask if I can run a camera or if I can greet at the front door, if I can serve in the youth ministry. Or maybe it's, it's hey, you know what? I've been watching other people pay tithes, and I haven't really been doing that. But today, I'm going to start building the boat of local church with my finances. Maybe for you it's a job or a calling or some sort of a ministry, but this is what I know. Every person in this room has been called to build a boat, and it's to build a boat that is much bigger and much greater than you can imagine because God does not build mediocre boats. He's not in the business of, of asking people to do mediocre things. In fact, I believe that if we can do something that God has asked us to do on our own strength, that probably didn't come from God. So what is the boat that God has asked you to build? Will you pick up the hammer and build it? I want to, in closing, just share a, a quick story about um, a boat that was recently built um, that means a lot to my family. Um, I have a little sister, and uh, she is 21 years old. But when she was a senior in high school, she had this crazy moment where she felt like God was calling her to be a full-time um, missionary to the country of Nicaragua. 
backtrack even before then, when she was 13 years old, she went on her first missions trip to Nicaragua. She loved it. She, she fell in love with the people there. She was there for like two weeks. She came home. She ended up teaching herself Spanish for the next year. And starting at 14 years old, she started leading um, three trips a year of 50 to 100 people every trip to Nicaragua, where she would translate and preach and teach to the people in Nicaragua. Like, my sister loves Jesus, okay? And so she gets to be 18 years old, and she's like, I think this is what I want to do with my life. I think that God is asking me to build the boat and go be a full-time missionary to, to Nicaragua. And so my parents are like, great, this is awesome. Why don't you get your college degree? And so um, one month when uh, she was in college visiting different, or when she was in high school visiting different colleges, she goes to this college called Emmanuel College. It's not that far from here. It's here in Georgia. And she falls in love with it. They have a missions program. It's this amazing, um, this amazing opportunity for her. And she tells my parents, she says, hey, um, I think God told me while I was visiting that I'm supposed to go to Emmanuel College. My parents are like, amazing. Let's look it up. Let's check out all the information on the website. And they found out very quickly that Emmanuel College costs $40,000 a year to attend. And so my parents were like, are you sure you heard from God? <laughs> and so they, they came up with this arrangement. My parents said, Carson, if you can get scholarships to Emmanuel, then you can go. But you want to be a full-time missionary. It doesn't make sense for you to pay $160,000. Is that the math? Yeah, $160,000. And then go make no money being a missionary. Like, we have to be smart about this. So my sister goes, don't worry about it. God's going to provide. Everything's good. I know. He told me. My parents are like, okay. I get to the end of her senior year of high school. And it's end of April. They're sitting at the dinner table one night. And um, zero money has come in for my sister to go to school at Emmanuel College. And so my parents, they decided it was the time to have the hard conversation. They said, Carson, you're not going to be able to do it. We, we can't send you to Emmanuel College. It's too much money. It doesn't make sense for our family. It just, it's just not it, sweetheart. You're going to have to look for some other option. My sister, she's real stubborn. And so she pushed her food to the center of the table and she said, my entire life, You've told me to have faith that God will show up and do impossible things in my life. And now I'm trying to do that, and you're telling me not to. She said, may I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents were like, did we ground her? This wasn't in the parenting book, you know? And so she goes upstairs, and my parents tell the story that they could hear my little sister upstairs in her bedroom. She just started to weep started to cry. And all of a sudden, she started singing this song called Waymaker. Maybe you've heard of it. Started singing the lyrics, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Dark, My God, That is Who You Are. And she just, she just started singing the chorus as she's crying. My parents, they push their food to the middle of the table, and they start singing it downstairs. And there's just this five or ten minutes in my house where, where they're just praising God in the middle of this really difficult circumstance in my, my sister's life. Well, the next morning just so happened to be college visitation day at Emmanuel College. My sister had been planning to go. My dad was like, I don't know if we should take her. I don't know if we should cancel it. I don't want to get her hopes up. 
At the last minute, they decide to go. They spend all day at Emmanuel College. And as they're walking off campus to get into the car, someone comes running out of the administration building and says, hey, is your name Carson? My little sister says, yeah, it's me. She says, hey, someone wants to talk to you. Will you follow me? So they go back to the center of campus. They go back through this maze of offices, back to the back of the administration uh, offices, and, and they walk into the president of the university's office. He walks over, introduces himself. They sit down. They start making small talk. And he said, Carson, this is going to be really weird. But last night at about dinner time, He said, we got a phone call from one of our biggest donors. And he said, as he was eating dinner, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said that he was supposed to call me and offer to give a full ride to a Spanish-speaking missionary student that wants to go into full-time missions. Is that you? My sister looked at my dad and said, I told you. (laughs) Listen, this is what I know. I know that when God has asked you to build it, when God has called you to a place, if you will show up with the hammer in your hand and put your trust in a God and you say, I will be faithful, you will see the faithfulness of God in your life because it is not you who builds it, it is God who builds it. You might have walked in here and you thought to yourself, I feel like quitting, I feel like giving up, I feel like today is the last day that I can make it. I want to remind you that Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Romans 831 says that if God is for me, who can be against me? Exodus 14, 14 says that I don't have to fight the battle. God will fight for me. 2 Corinthians 521, if you walked in here feeling like you're too broken, you're too dirty, you're too weak, you're too much of a sinner. 2 Corinthians 521, he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become right with God. There is no excuse for giving up because you have a God who has not given up on you. There is no reason to quit because Because when you will be faithful, God will be faithful evermore. What is it that you're going to be doing when people check in on your life? I I can't stop thinking about the picture of Noah just in the woods. I just got to. Keep building the boat. The band's going to come and we're going to sing one more song. But before we do, I would love the honor of just praying for you. Dear God, thank you so much for every single person that's here, every single person that's watching, every, every person that's a part of this amazing church family at local church. I pray that today our spirits would be encouraged by the story of Noah through your word. Lord, that whatever it is that you've called us to build, God, that today would not be a day that we give up. It would be a day that we get up. It wouldn't be a day that that we put down the hammer. It would be a day that we're, we're reminded 
that where we go, you're going with us, that we would be encouraged, that there would be fresh wind put into our sails. God, that we would just regain that expectancy, regain that, that excitement, regain that attitude of faithfulness, Lord. We want to be a people who are found faithful. God, not for our glory, not for our credit, but so that we can look up and point up and give you all of the glory that when people see our lives and say, how could they be faithful? We're able to say, because we serve a faithful God. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for giving us assignments. Thank you for trusting us with callings. Thank you for trusting us with families. Thank you for trusting us with relationships, Lord. We just want to be faithful. When we get to the end of our life, our, our goal is not to be successful. Our goal is not to be rich. Our goal is not to be famous. Our goal is to be faithful, for people to be able to say they did everything God asked them to do. They were people who were marked by their obedience and by their faithfulness. I pray for each situation represented in this room, Lord. You'd give us the courage to be faithful. You'd give us the endurance to be faithful. You'd give us the faith to be faithful. We love you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen.